Thanks, John. If you do have a Bible, please uh, keep it there. That's good for me so that you can make sure what I'm saying is actually coming from the Bible. Uh, You may have gathered our topic this afternoon is the beginning of the end. The Christian belief is that this life won't go on and on and on as it is, but one day Jesus will return and bring an end to the world as we know it. Christians call this the second coming of Jesus or Judgment Day. Uh, And it seems uh, that this is one of those topics that we'd probably rather just leave alone. Uh, Or for a minority, it's one of those topics that people dive right into uh, and are completely immersed in. Uh, Doug O'Donnell, uh, in his commentary on part of what we're looking at today, he, he begins by just listing failed predictions of Jesus' return. Uh, and the examples are prolific. Can I give you just some of those? Uh, there was a Roman clergyman who calculated that Jesus would return in 500 AD. His reasoning for that timing of the prediction of Jesus' return were based on the dimensions of Noah's Ark. Uh, Christ didn't return. In the Middle Ages, Pope Innocent III, uh, he took the number 618, that is the year that Islam was founded, and he added the number 666, the number of the beast, to get the year 1284 as the year of Christ's final judgment. Uh, Jesus didn't return. In 1835, Joseph Smith, who founded the Mormon church, or the Mormons, he he announced that Jesus would return in the next 56 years. At one point he said, I prophesy in the name of the Lord God and let it be written, the Son of Man will not come in the clouds till I am 85 years old. Smith would have been 85 in 1890, uh, but unfortunately for him, he was killed by a mob on his 39th birthday. Jesus didn't return. Uh, Li Yang Rim of the church mission for the coming days prophesied that Jesus would return through Sydney Harbour on October 28, 1992. Christ didn't return. Uh, And sadly, Rim didn't return either. He shot through with four and a half million dollars of his followers' savings. Uh, One more example, Harold Harold Camping, he predicted Jesus' return in May 21, 2011. When Jesus didn't show up on that date, instead of apologising for getting it wrong, he just gave another date, October 21 of the same year, and Jesus didn't return. Now we might laugh at some of those ridiculous predictions, but sadly empty claims like that discredit Jesus and his gospel. And as tricky as this chapter 24 of Matthew's gospel is to interpret, something that Jesus makes very clear is verse 36. Just look there with me in your Bible. He says, but about the day or hour, no uh, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Only God the Father knows the day that has been set for the coming judgment, for Jesus' return, and to waste our time trying to figure out 
when is to ignore Jesus' words, to be distracted from what actually matters and to bring the gospel into disrepute. Uh, A bloke, uh, R.T. France, he says, in view of such plain statements from Jesus, it is astonishing that some Christians can still attempt to work out what date is Jesus' second coming. Stop it. And get off those weird YouTube channels, you you know the ones. Uh, You're more likely, though, someone here this afternoon who who isn't thinking that way. You're thinking, seriously, you think that Jesus is going to return? We do. We do. And when you consider that Jesus taught with authority, he worked miracles, he healed the sick, he controlled the the wind and and the waves, he died on that cross but rose three days later, there were many witnesses that the news of his lordship spread all across the world, all this happened as the evidence suggests. Well then his second coming in judgment is not so ridiculous after all. So the question we're led to ask is, are you ready? Are you ready? Uh, Having just told his little cohort of disciples what they can expect in these last days, that time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, we looked at this last week if you were here. Now in verses 29 to 31, Jesus describes what that final day will be like. See verse 29. We read immediately after the distress of those days. That is to say that the next thing after, uh, last week, a world in turmoil, distress for the follower of Jesus, the destruction of the temple, the, the deception of those false teachers. Immediately after those days that we're still in today, the next thing, verse 29, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. The second coming of Jesus will be obvious. Jesus has already said that it will be obvious if you were here last week like lightning in the sky. Uh, As obvious as vultures getting stuck into a, a dead body. Here it will be as obvious as the sun, moon and the stars being switched off. Someone said, whatever is being described in this verse, it is an awesome cosmic upheaval. Uh, I take it that this is the catastrophic end. Later in verse 35, Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You may have noticed sometimes we emphasize the continuity of this life into the next. There'll be similarities and sometimes we emphasise the discontinuity. This is the discontinuity. Heaven and earth will pass away, the the catastrophic end. We, We continue with the imagery in verse 30. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So we picture the sign. Uh, what is that? Uh, opinion varies as it does on most of the things in this chapter. 
possibly the, the banner of the Son of Man being rolled out in the heavens. Here's the King returning in splendor and power. This little section is loaded with Old Testament imagery. There's Daniel 7 that we read at the start of the service. Jesus, the the Son of Man, with all authority, glory, and sovereign power. His kingdom, one that will never be destroyed. The clouds representing the presence of God. Uh, Sometimes we talk about God's kingdom being inaugurated. That is, it begins with the first coming of Jesus. We're living in this time of of now and not yet. God's kingdom has come. You trust in Jesus. You're a part of God's kingdom. Jesus' kingdom has begun, but when Jesus returns, his kingdom will be consummated, that is, completed. What a great contrast Jesus' second coming will be to his first. Uh, He came first lowly, didn't he? Born in that manger despised, rejected, mocked, flogged, murdered on the cross. But he comes the second time as the king of the whole universe, the one who is above all rule and authority. All the peoples of the earth, the most powerful and the rest, will stand before his throne and face his judgment. I take it that's what's going on when we read all the peoples of the earth will mourn. It's a picture that's picked up from Zechariah, the the prophet. It it will be a time of great despair. Notice not localised to to some particular area, but all the peoples of the earth will mourn. Are you ready for Jesus' return? A, A time of great despair. But for those who trust in Jesus, isn't verse 31 wonderful? And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, that is from the four points of the compass, from one end of the heavens to the other. Here's Jesus gathering in his people from all over the world. The second coming of Jesus will be obvious. There's nothing secret about it. It will be catastrophic, awesome, comprehensive and so... Well, we want to know when, don't we? When's this going to be happening so we can be ready? That is if you believe that Jesus is going to come again. If not, just live it up. Squeeze as much out of this life as you you possibly can. But if you follow the evidence, we want to know when he's coming. In verses 32 to 35, we have a sign that the end is close. And in verse 32, Jesus uses that fig tree analogy. So some of you are into your gardening, and, and so you know that the, the weather, uh, you, you, watch, you watch the plants, and, and you know when summer's coming, the, the fig tree, it, its twigs get tender and, and the leaves come out. Well, summer's on, on the way. Uh, you know that in this context. And verse 33, even so... When you see these things, says Jesus, you, you know that, that it's, it's near right at the door. These things, verse 34, truly I tell you this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. And I don't know about you, but I want to know what these things are. Uh, 
Some think these things refers uh, to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, uh, verses 15 to 22 from last week, which, which has happened uh, in the lifetime of uh, those first listeners. I take it, though, along with Carson and Morrison and others, that Jesus is referring to what we looked at last week, the distress in verses 4 to 28, including the destruction of the temple. A world in turmoil, distress for the follower of Jesus, those messianic pretenders, things that have happened within the lifetime of the generation of Jesus' original reader, and all of which, except for the destruction of Jerusalem, are still happening today. In other words, the next thing to happen in salvation history, according to these things, is Jesus' return. We want to know when. Uh, And these things that were going on in the first century and still to this day, they suggest soon. But we also know from 2 Peter, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. God's eternal perspective is not ours. And so soon, for me, isn't necessarily soon for him. And so Jesus says in verse 36 to 44, be ready. Now, an outline should come up on the screen of uh, where, we're, where we've been and, and where we're going. In this last section, Jesus uses those three illustrations to emphasise the unexpectedness of his return. It'll be like in the days of Noah, says Jesus. You know those days, verse 38, when people were eating and drinking and, and marrying and, and giving in, in marriage up uh, to the day Noah entered the ark? It's not that there's anything wrong with doing any of those things, just that that was normal life was going on. And then, boom, verse 39, the flood came and took them away. And Jesus says, that's what it's going to be like at his second coming. His second coming will be just as abrupt, just as unexpected, just as decisive as the coming of the flood was. Or like verse 40, two men are out there working in the paddocks. They're toiling away together and boom, one of them is taken and the other left. Or the women on the grinding stone, one on one side and one on the other, they may have been Uh, sisters working together and boom one is taken and and the other is left it's not clear if the one taken is taken in judgment like in the flood and it doesn't matter it's not the point nor does verse 40 or 41 I think describe some secret rapture Jesus's return will be public catastrophic comprehensive the point is it will be sudden ordinary day-to-day life will be going on I might be at Aldi doing the shopping I'm there most days where to be ready apparently when John Calvin was was getting uh, older his friends wanted him to work less because of his failing health 
He would say, would you have my master find me idle? What will Jesus find you doing when he returns? The point of these illustrations is where to be ready. Uh, When I was in late primary school, uh, I moved downstairs. That is, uh, our family, we lived in a two-story house uh, and my new room downstairs was closest to one of the, the doors of our house. I felt very independent being away from mum and dad downstairs. But I also felt that if a robber came in, I'd be the first line of defence. Some of you have felt this responsibility. Uh, So I prepared. Uh, I had a a homemade club under my bed. Uh, I had a a range of pocket knives stashed in various places. I, I think I had a slingshot or two as well. Thankfully, no one broke in. Uh, I'm not sure how that would have gone. Uh, But I was prepared, ready. If you break into our house today, uh, I won't be as ready as I was then. Uh, No clubs, no pocket knives, uh, and the front door may even be open. Uh, Isn't this what verse 42 to 44 is about, though? If a house owner knew when the thief was coming, he or she would be ready. You may even have the cops waiting with you. We know Jesus is coming. We just don't know when. So where to keep watch? Where to be ready? And it's no good reflecting when I was... I was really ready for Jesus' return when I was a young adult. You know, I remember those days when I was on fire for Christ. Or when we were first married, you know, we were, we were ready for Jesus to come back. Or, or when I, we first came to faith, nowhere to be ready, present, continuous. Glover said it helps to hallow each day of life to realise that Before its close, we may be in the presence of Christ's glory. Do you get up and think that way in the morning? Before the end of this day, Christ may come in glory. John Calvin said, Christ keeps the minds of believers in a state of suspense until that last day. So we reflect, you know, are you someone who is ready for Jesus' return? Can I say, if you don't yet relationally know Christ, maybe you've been hanging around the fringes of church life for quite a while, maybe many, many years, don't muck around. Jesus could return at any moment. So you surrender your life to him while you still can. The catastrophic end. These things in these, these last days say it will be soon. We don't know when, Jesus says, be ready. Now next week, um, we're going to think more about what it is to be ready. Uh, but in a moment, we're going to celebrate the, the Lord's Supper together. Uh, and, and this is where we remember that Jesus... We remember that Jesus, who will come to judge in power and glory, he also suffered in our place. 
Uh, I'm deserving of God's judgment uh, on that final day because of my sin, and so are you. But through Jesus' sacrifice, we're made right with God. He takes the punishment we deserve. But only if we ask him to. And then with his help, we get on living for him. He calls the shots, no longer us. Now, I'm going to pray a prayer, something along those lines, uh, and you might like to make that prayer your own uh, if you haven't already. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Great God, you made the world and everything in it. Uh, We live in this world that speaks uh, of you. But Lord, instead of living your way, instead of pursuing you, I've rebelled against you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me through Jesus' sacrificial death. I surrender my life to you. With your help, help me get on with living for you. Amen.